This is Bulls Beat on Bulls Unlimited. Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. Happy Monday to you on this program. We'll recap starting with Friday, what went on through the course of the weekend, actually going back to Friday early afternoon with some tremendous audio from offensive line coach Tyler Hudanik and R.J. Perry, transfer offensive tackle from Tennessee. Man, the events were hot and heavy. The pep rally on Friday night, block party in Ybor City on Saturday. You could tell that sports season is here and USF fans are ready for it. In fact, we'll touch on what happened as far as the women's basketball team, believe it or not, had a big event that it was kind of hosting and being showcased on. We'll also tell you that, unfortunately, the women's soccer team, after winning in Baton Rouge on Thursday night, couldn't follow up in 101-degree temperatures on Sunday afternoon at Lafayette, losing to the Raging Cajuns 2-0. I watched the game. I'll have my thoughts on what happened, and, of course, we'll get the actual thoughts of the head coach, Denise Schulte-Brown, this week and see if it sort of goes along with what I saw anyway. But nonetheless, we'll give you a recap in our second segment. And also, an amazing event that took place last night at the Indoor Performance Facility. It was Victory Sunday with the football team hosting the Special Olympians. And I was there, and let me tell you, it was awesome to take part in, and I'll give you a recap of that. You'll also hear what Alex Golish had to say about it and a couple of the team leaders, Mike Lofton and Rashad Cheney, as well. We can tell you that this, with fall camp being over for football, is the beginning of the typical media week schedule. We just got that information handed to us last night. So just a little roadmap of what you can expect each week as far as football coverage goes. No media availability on Monday, and frankly, with the busyness that takes place over the course of a game weekend, it's okay to have Monday off, and plus with our new format on the show, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, we can wait until Tuesday to give you some more stuff. In fact, Alex Golish's press conference, including this Tuesday, will be at around 11.15 at the IPF lobby, and we'll try and bring those to you live. Then each week during the season, the coordinators, Joel Gordon and Todd Orlando, will be speaking on Wednesdays along with a couple of players. What I'm definitely going to do more this year for Bulls Beat is take advantage of the opportunity presented on Thursdays to have one-on-ones with players. In other words, some exclusive stuff you can't get anywhere else and bring those to you on Friday's program. So that's how it's going to break down as far as football goes, basically. For Bulls Beat anyway, remember Monday will be a full game recap with plenty of highlights, and of course we'll recap everything that goes on. Wednesday's show will feature a lot of Alex Golish and the players who spoke on Tuesday. And then Friday's show, in addition to previewing the upcoming game, we'll be able to sprinkle in some audio from the coordinators and those exclusive one-on-ones that we're going to get. Oh, I mentioned other sports. It really gets going this week. To this point, we brought you four broadcasts of play-by-play, but they were all preseason games. It's going to be real. Thursday, the women's soccer team, and again, we'll tell you about their one-and-one split in the state of Louisiana in our second segment they will be at home against Alabama A&M, while the men's soccer team kicks off its regular season the same night, Thursday night, at Washington, a top 10 team, and will stay up there to play Seattle U. Volleyball, back on the home front, is playing at Amelie Arena on Friday night against the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, coached by former Bulls standout and Hall of Famer and teammate of Bulls head coach Jolene Shepardson, Michelle A. Collier. 
And oh yeah, we're talking to Coach Joe and several members of the team today, so get ready to hear that audio. But it'll be a big weekend for volleyball in Tampa Bay with two matches on Friday night. The Bulls playing Georgia Tech, and that's followed by Florida and Penn State. If you're interested in sticking around, I think you should be. And then the Gators playing the Bulls at the Yingling Center after Georgia Tech and Penn State. That's next Saturday. So we'll have live play-by-play of volleyball for you on Friday and Saturday after women's soccer on Thursday. And, of course, next week is game week. As far as this week goes, we mentioned the regular schedule. But for this week, we will talk to Alex Golish and Mike Lofton and Rashad Chaney tomorrow. Thursday, it's safeties and pass defense coordinator James Rowe, along with two of his position players. And then Friday, we're speaking to wide receivers coach Damian Washington, along with Naeem Simmons, who came up last week, ironically, by defensive tackle Doug Blue Ellie. Jaden Alexis, that'll be an interesting name to remember, and Sean Atkins. So there's what to look forward to. Football audio here in a minute. Like I said, a lot was going on on campus. If you head to the women's basketball social feed, you'll see a lot of great coverage, national coverage, by the folks at the NCAA, essentially, their March Madness tour of women's basketball programs began with Jose Fernandez's group on Friday. They had a lot of fun, had all the different ways you can pronounce March Madness, you know, with so many internationals on the Bulls roster. And it was good to see Jose Fernandez, who has a little bit of a national stage now, not that he didn't already, but with this new role as the vice president on the WBCA and Autumn Johnson, who was there in town at the Muma Center on Friday interviewing him about that whole situation. If you really just want to go to at March Madness WBB, you see plenty of their videos, including, and this was not a surprise, Maria Alvarez leading the social media end of things. She is fantastic. The video they put out, and this is a lot of stuff from Saturday, shows you some work getting done in the weight room along with on the court. You can see the transfer from Auburn, six foot three, Romy Levy has a little bit of personality as well. We'll be meeting those players soon enough. Saw Amir Abdurrahim, among others, speaking to the huge crowd Friday night at the Yingling Center for the pep rally. This was for the students and they were entertained. I'm gonna try and get the full video of the performance put on by Erica Brennan, the women's golf coach who recreated, reprised her dance from the Jumbotron at the football game this past season. Not only a good golf coach, but an epic dancer. That was a huge event. And Kaylee Cottrell put out a video from the block party, which was very well attended. Speaking of Amir Durahim, he spoke of that along with Alex Golish and Mindy McCord. This is something that began a handful of years ago where basically alumni meet up and then disperse into Ybor City, which is decked out in green and gold, like I said. You can tell things are happening. Now, on to the audio. Tyler Hudanik, the new offensive line coach. You'll hear about how quickly he said yes and maybe at the behest of Alex Golish to join Golish here as he was a grad assistant at Tennessee the last two years, was a volunteer quality control assistant in 2019 and 20 at UCF where he played and played very well along the offensive line in 17 and 18. Oh yeah, he is a UCF Knight, recent UCF Knight. He's not that much older than some of the Bulls' offensive linemen, but he's a Bull. If you want to hear him get into that part, I posted the full audio over the weekend on our Unlimited Unloaded page. That's on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Amazon Podcasts. Just type Bulls Unlimited Unloaded. You should already be subscribed to that. But if you couldn't hear all of it pertaining to the Bulls' offensive line, I said, 
you know, when you're watching scrimmages or practices, you can see the splash players. He mentioned that the offensive line was really coming together. And since I'm not an offensive line coach, I wanted to ask the Bulls, O-line coach, how do you actually see that? take place obviously you know this is a position with what we do you play really really fast right so the communication has to be on point and it can't be off like as soon as it's off the ball's getting snapped and you know we're off a, you know a centimeter it's it's bad news so the more they're communicating the more they're talking the more even in the meeting room guys are like correcting each other guys are hey i see this i'm gonna do this and like just coming together and they're actually going out there and playing together like we just went two minute drive and bunched down the field had you know pitching and catching, protecting, and um, it was really, really cool to see, you know. So I think their communication's grown. Um, you know, I think there's guys in that room, you know, the guys that stuck around that are setting the damn culture for it of how to play hard. Like, that's the one thing I preach is that's, you know, the standard of the room is, is playing really, really hard. So as you continue to take steps of communication, add more in the install, getting close to a game week, the playing hard piece can never, ever fall. And, that, that's continued to rise over these, especially these past couple of days as you're later into camp. And so that's when I say they're taking a step. That's, that's what I mean. So it's been cool to see. Now, what I really wanted to ask was give us your starting lineup, but I phrased it differently. I said, you know, do you have some versatility? Can guys go tackle guard? Everyone pretty much knows that Mike Lofton is the center. And how are those puzzle pieces coming together? Then he gets into Donovan Jennings, Dono, and what role he's playing along with Mike Lofton. That's the thing right now, you know, as, obviously as you get after your first scrimmage, which was, you know, a week or two ago, um, you try to, as you get closer to game day, try to solidify your starting five as close as you can. And um, we're close, um, but no, the, throughout this camp, you know, you've had guys that have played three, four different positions. And in this deal, it's, it ain't easy to do that with, you know, it's not like you're slowing down and you're able to see the whole picture sometimes, like you're playing really fast. So I think it goes to how you teach it, how uh, – how we teach the guys every day. You know, we don't teach just one position. We teach the whole the whole schematic to the whole group. So if I'm playing guard, I know what the tackle's doing. If I'm playing center, I know what the tackle's doing. Just so you can be super versatile. And as we know with the attrition of how a season can go, everybody's got to be ready at any given time. Dono, um, man, there's one thing, you know, missing him in the spring. He wasn't out there consistently. But um, having him back full go this camp has been, you know, the best thing for the room. His energy, his effort every single day just – leading by example that piece like is never in question and now I've challenged him all camp long to be vocal to be you know the guy in the room that when when stuff doesn't go right hey they're gonna look at you and you, you can't flinch and he's done an unbelievable job answering that um, you know having him there just his you know when you have a bunch of guys in that room that haven't played a bunch of college football either right they look at him in a lot of ways for you know technique questions and he's done a really really good job never you know telling somebody no and I give a lot of credit to him on where that room is right now. Mike Lofton, same thing. He's been those two guys. I I, I got you know I owe, owe the world to right now of the way they're running the room, and it's really cool. You can you know as we've getting deeper into these installs and less and less is going in because your offense is kind of all in. The more they're taking over and the more they're kind of taking the keys to the car, and it's been really cool to see. And finally, from Tyler Hudanik, you're going to hear from one of his guys, R.J. Perry, here in a second. Very entertaining, but also entertaining the story of how he became the Bulls offensive line coach. It was a quick hire. So it was really unique. Um, you know, we were in, you know, right after our last week of the season there, we played Vanderbilt on the road. Um, and then the full-time coaches went on the road for recruiting. And, you know, at the time, the young coaches, the GAs and analysts started doing self-scout breakdowns and getting ready for, you know, possible bowl game opponents. And, um, you know, he was out on the road and, you know, him and I had, 
you know, minimal conversations about it. Um, he came back on a on a bull weekend for practice and came in the morning on you know on practice and, and told me in the locker room like, hey, this is this could be real and um, you know I need to know if you're in. Like I need you here and I was, you know, I got your back, bro. Like that was my same response. You know, next thing that's Sunday, called me in the morning at 7 a.m. and said he's in Tampa and I said, all right. He said I'm. I'm going to need you on a flight here at 4 p.m. I said, 4 p.m.? Today? <laughs> and I got on the flight with his wife and kids that evening and I feel like I haven't, haven't blinked or, and here we are. Indeed, here we are. And by the way, if the audio sounds a little bit differently, like it wasn't coming straight off of a press conference, it's not off a press conference. In fact, we're having, I got to come up with an official name, almost these fireside chats the last couple times with the coaches and with the players. And I actually really dig it. R.J. Perry, who was also at Tennessee, so there was the natural goalish connection there, and he said, yeah, absolutely. You're going to hear him talk about that and about his progression. Started off, didn't play the first year at Tennessee as he was transitioning from defensive line. And, well, back to his high school days, you'll get an idea of how special of an athlete this guy is. I would say I like the pass block a lot, though. Fast block is, is fun. You get, to, you get to do all type of, type of crazy things with your hands, with your feet. Be more agile, show your athletic side. Yeah. It probably gets you guys in shape pretty quick. Not that you are in, don't show up in shape, but did, did you get some sort of buzz from the, the, the other linemen? Like, okay, now we see what you're talking about. Yes, sir. Uh, especially dealing with our uh, weight room staff, they get us in shape pretty fast. So it helps us and the rest of the offensive line to get in shape, and it also helps the defense because we always be prepared for any and everything. You started off as a defensive player, right, in high school? Yes, sir. Is that right? So you just mentioned the difference between run block and pass block. You had to learn all this stuff. What was that like learning it all? Well, since me being an athlete, it, it just came natural to me because I, if you know, I played receiver and DN tight end as well in high receiver? school. Yes, sir. I was a little, little guy then. Okay. I was a little guy. <laughs> but then I gained a couple pounds. Uh, had to learn how to do a lot of more stuff on my feet. And it was easy because I played receiver and tight end. So. It was easy for me to kick set, run block, use my hands, throw them, punch them. So game came natural. I saw you were All-State in basketball then. Are you telling me that you were guard? Uh, no, I wasn't a guard. I was uh, four and a five. I was uh, the best four and a five to come through Birmingham, I would say myself. All right. So after the bowl game, uh, I hit. I had put my name in the portal. Because I figured I found out Coach Goldish and Hoodie left. So I was like, it's about my time. So when I did that, I came up here on the visit. I already knew I was coming before. Like, when I hit the portal, I knew I was going to come here once they started texting me. So it was like I already made my mind up, told my mom, my trainer, everybody where I was going. So I came up here on January 6th, I would say, and I had my official visit, and it was great. Like, Tampa Bay is a place to be. Didn't take long for the young man to figure that out. R.J. Perry speaking on the man you just heard from, Tyler Hudanik. Then Joey Johnston jumps in. Of course, he's still going to be a valuable part of our broadcast on the football broadcast. More on those later on this week, but continuing with R.J. Perry, offensive tackle. He's a great coach. Uh, he always makes sure everybody's on time, makes sure everybody's held accountable for what we do, makes sure nobody's late. He's always on the field before us. He make, he pushing us each and every day to run to the ball, track the ball, track anything on the field. He always, he always making sure he's there, we pushing us. So he's not that much older than you. Right. Or your other teammates, what does that mean to have a coach that's, you know, not 50 years old or whatever? <laughs> uh, it's still great because he still got the, the knowledge of what we have because he was just playing in our shoes. So he definitely understands what, what's going on right now, how what we feel, how our bodies feel. So he's never, like, one of those bad coaches, like, 
get down on us, none of that, because he know what's going on. And he been in the offense, if you know. He was with uh, Coach Golders and uh, Coach um, Glenn Ellaby at uh, UCF. So he definitely understands the offense, making sure we understands it, and making sure just like we just know what we're doing. Yeah. Line, you're in line for right tackle? Uh, yes, sir, I do play right tackle. Athletic right tackle. Oh, yeah, I am. Yeah. I am. Freaking fast, athletic. That's me. So you got a lot of interesting pieces. You got yourself and Zane, who were at previous schools. Yes, Lofton, who's kind of become a center. Dono, who's been here. Kilfoy. I mean, how's this group coming together? Yeah, it's gelling pretty good, like, real, like, well, because we all got the mindset of go finish, fight, and string. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, indeed. I like that little note about how Tyler Hudanik recently a player maybe is more empathetic to the plight of offensive linemen and maybe it shows in his coaching style. Last night was a special event some of what Alex Golich had to say along with Mike Lofton and Rashad Cheney then we'll get into some volleyball notes notes on a former softball standout for the Bulls winning a championship and yeah unfortunately the women's soccer team you know when you assume after they beat LSU that it's going to be a 2-0 opening weekend you know what they say about assuming also the AAC men's soccer preseason polls are out. We'll tell you where the Bulls stand as far as that goes. All of that when we continue on Bulls Beat. This is Bulls Beat on the Unlimited Unloaded page. At the indoor performance facility, it was called Victory Day as the Bulls welcomed in 40 Special Olympics stars to, well, have a blast. It was really cool to see. You're going to hear what Alex Golish had to say about it. And I might put out some videos, but I wanted to, you know, save them for the professional folks that were rolling tape. And essentially, it started off with a tour of the locker room, and then everybody got the grand entrance through the player tunnel to come onto the field. And then the field, which when you're standing in the middle of it, does not look like a 100-yard football field. It looks like a 50-acre wonderland. It's just so cool. And there was plenty of room for the Special Olympians to spread out and have, like I said, some fun. You had them running plays, and of course, not only were the players going crazy when anything happened, but the band would strike up after a kid scored a touchdown. And I tell you, the players were so engaged, and they were going to cheer loud no matter what happened. But there were some Olympians on the field that made me stand up and cheer. They were doing some serious work. And like I said, very, very cool and it was called Victory Day. Now, it's going to be, I think, and I didn't want to ask Alice Golish about this. It would have taken away from what was actually going on. But I think there's going to be something called Victory Sunday, you know, at the appropriate time for the Bulls. But if this was any indication of what that's going to be like, it was going to be a lot of fun. You know what? I, I think more than anything for these guys, I think when we talked about this event, they were all kind of looking like, man, it's an off day. What are they doing with us? And you look around for the last hour and a half. I think they're they're having more fun than than the Olympians we got here. You know, they're. I think it just all goes with giving more of yourself than taking from from anybody, and it gives them a way to reflect for just a second. We play in two weeks. It's been three weeks of go get after it. They they've heard messages over and over again. Now you get a chance to just go out, have fun, and and see how how freaking lucky they really are. When your players leave here tonight, what do you want them to take away from this experience? That although they think that they work so hard, they really got it pretty good here. <laughs> I think it, it's humbling. Like for me, for me to see our players, like you, you look at them, they're all dancing with these guys and like just how fortunate they really are, you know, like 
to be able to strap it on and, and go play at Ray J in front of all these fans, like they lose track sometimes of what it's all about. I think we as coaches lose track. We're so in a bubble that just to come out and see all these families and all these all these athletes, like I don't know, humbling is probably the word. And it looks like Jeff has done something like this before. We see the coach Jones coming out in him. How how important has he been to this and just overall with the team? Yeah, Jeff's Jeff's special to me because he was my high school coach. He's the reason I'm coaching. Um, he's the reason I wanted to be a teacher. Uh, he changed my life. Um, and I, I always say it, but the giving more of yourself than taking from the whole, I learned from Jeff. Um, he used to pick me up and take me to workouts in the morning and life lesson after life lesson. I mean, you look at him walking around, he's just so proud of our kids. He's like He's like the principal, he's like dad to some of these guys, he's like a, a brother to some of these guys. He put a lot, him and Coach Rod put a lot into organizing it, but that was their message last night to our players too, was man, for two hours, don't think about yourself. Just think about what these guys are gonna feel, guys and girls are gonna feel like leaving here. So proud of him, so proud of our kids. Jeff Jones, officially the Director of Player Development Spent nearly 30 years in education, not only as a coach, and was a really good one, a football coach in Ohio, was named the Coach of the Year in 2006, but a principal at four schools. Boy, just had that leadership aura in a great giving type of way last night as he was directing the kids all around the field, and again, they were just having a blast. I was, to be honest. Here's a little bit of what Mike Lofton and Rashad Cheney had to say about it. Like in camp, like I said, you're always cooped up. Uh, just being able to see everybody happy, being everybody smiling, um, it really brings like it brings happiness to my heart to see like we're making a difference and we're all having a good time together. Did you run run down to the touchdowns with them? Not yet. I'm coming to it. My guy James, he's excited for it. Okay. He's excited for it. He's ready for it. There have been a lot of smiles out on this field right now. Who is having more fun, you guys or the special Olympians? Ooh. I think. Ooh. Hold on. Let me let me think here. I think it's a little bit of both, but I think we're having a better time, though. It's good to see everybody happy. I'm just happy to be here. Um, Coach Goldish and his staff did a good job of bringing everybody together. And this is like a, it's a good way to end fall camp, like a little treat. Just to kind of end the last day on something like this, it definitely like relieves a lot of stress. You know, things just, you know, we, like I said, we're there every day, all day. And just like, all we know is football for the last three or four weeks. And, you know, just being able to end it like this, man, just just to bring a smile on everybody's face is a great opportunity. For me personally, um, just coming where I grew up from, um, not seeing really a lot of people get the same opportunity as me, and just being able to see that another, in another place and just being able to help people to, you know, achieve opportunities and achieve goals that they always want to um, obtain. Voice you heard in there is Catherine Smith from Spectrum Sports. Also, Eileen from Channel 8 are working on stories on that. And the two voices you just heard, from the team, Mike Lofton and Rashad Cheney happen to be, and I don't think it's happened to be, I think it's because their leaders are going to be the two players that speak along with Golish Tuesday during that press event, which we'll have plenty of audio from on our Wednesday program. Volleyball, before we get into soccer, saw that the three teams that are joining the Bulls for this weekend's big event, Amelie Arena Friday, then Saturday at the Yingling Center, much more on this on the next two shows this week, but they're all ranked in the top 25, so the Bulls part of a huge event to get the volleyball season going. And beach volleyball coach, even though we're a couple years away from that season, nice little clout here 
for the Bulls leader, Pripyanta Dosi Lima, named the 2023 Club Beach Coach of the Year by the AVCA for her work with Optimum Beach, which she founded based out of St. Pete. When I was at the indoor volleyball team's practice last week, she was there hanging out. Of course, Visoto, her fellow Brazilian, now assistant coach with the Bulls, who get it going. And again, we'll be talking to Jolene Shepherdson today, along with a couple of members of the team. Get ready to hear that audio coming your way soon. Men's soccer was picked to finish fourth in the AAC, which is probably a position that will have you in the NCAA tournament, FIU. This came down late last week, was picked to repeat as champions. There were basically tiers, FIU, Tulsa, and then SMU are distinctly figured upon by the other coaches as the top three teams with FIU getting the nod over Tulsa. And then it's about a 10-point drop-off to USF in fourth, then another drop-off to Memphis. Remember, the Tigers made the NCAA tournament as the fifth team. And then, oh yeah, Charlotte, which is always an NCAA tournament team, at least in their former league, but the 49ers had some issues, didn't get there last year. It's weird to say that Charlotte could be a sleeper, but that's a really strong sixth-place predicted team. And then another drop-off to the bottom three of FAU, UAB, and Temple. She owns Soga, the only preseason first-team pick. But as I said on Twitter slash X, it's a team last year that did not wow you with stats. They just were all around outstanding. And so when coaches normally look at who is all-conference, they're going to look at stats first. Players like Takara Mariyama, I think defensive mid for the Bulls, is an all-conference player. I would definitely say that for what he did for the Bulls, Ajmer Spengler, same thing, but only Shion Soga actually gets the mention. And just to tell you how good they're going to be, he's not even a guaranteed starter on the men's soccer team. Again, they kick it off on Thursday. Well, the women's soccer team got started last Thursday with a bang, beating LSU. Then they went to Louisiana. Team picked to finish 11th. Out of 14 in the Sun Belt, team that won three games last year and beat USF 2 to nothing. Now, I watched it. First of all, the goalkeeper for Louisiana is an Auburn transfer. She made some really key stops, McKenna Garcia. And the goal scorer, Emma Bates, is an Australian kid who was supposed to be a big factor for them last year as a freshman, but was hurt. Now, Arden LaRose, the Bulls goalkeeper, had to get put to the test. She made some outstanding stops. There was a break-in early. I mean, it was a 10-yard shot that should have been a goal, kick save, and a beauty. And then a tremendous save on a bait shot that led to a corner kick. That was the first goal in this game. The last one was a tack-on and a breakaway at the end. At the 38-minute mark, it was a corner kick by Bates. She gets credit for the goal. Frankly, to me, it looked like an own goal as a Bulls player started to head it away, and I think that just sort of confused the Bulls goalkeeper Arden LaRose's line of sight. She was off balance and dropped it basically right into the goal. But the point is, Louisiana didn't look like a bad team to me. Now, were they better than the Bulls? Possibly not. In fact, probably not, but they played better. They did more with their opportunities, and I think that was the key now. Must mention the weather. It had to be a factor. It was 101 degrees. And unlike Thursday night, where, sure, it was hot in Baton Rouge, but it was at night, the Bulls only brought three players off the bench. On this day, they brought seven off the bench. Significant minutes for the freshman from Steinbrenner, Elise Thornton, and Jade Prejean. Louisiana played a full 22 players, so they were able to stay a little bit fresher. And on a day where it's 101 degrees... That had to make a difference. Vivian Bissett and Georgia Brown played the entire 90 minutes, as did Anna Sutter 
cannot underscore what she did in this game. She had five shots in the contest, but here was the key stat to me. The Bulls got outshot 9-5 to five in the first half, second half. After they fall behind, they end up winning the shot total 14-12. to 12. They had all six of their corner kicks in the second half. Now, there have been games recently in Bulls history where they have vastly outshot their opponents, and it's like a deluge. This wasn't quite like this. It was more an even game. But the Bulls certainly had their chances, and I mentioned the goalkeeper, Garcia. Gentiana Fetoy for the Bulls put an expert free kick on frame seven minutes into the second half. It took a fantastic save. If she doesn't make that stop, it's one-to-one, and I think the Bulls go on to at least tie, if not win the game. But the key stat was shots on goal. Overall, 14-12, to the Bulls had more shots. On goal, though, 6-2. to Several free kicks that just sailed well over the goal, and a lot of other opportunities where it looked like a prime scoring chance and it would just fizzle out or result in not the finish you want. I think the Bulls are missing freshman midfielder Sadie Sider. She's dinged up. When she returns to the lineup, that'll be a big name to remember. But if you also look at the box score, and I'm not going to call anybody out, but there are a couple of forwards, veterans on the team, that played significant minutes and did not get off his shot. So I think there's certainly areas where the production can increase. But at the same time, lots of positives. It just was one of those days on Sunday where maybe the opponent was better than you thought, and the Bulls were absolutely, like I said, a step and a half slow For sure, in the first half, they picked up the pace in the second half, but they were having to come from behind against a team, by the way, that played some pretty good defense, only allowed one goal total in two preseason games, and 1-1 was its score in its opener against Middle Tennessee and pride themselves on their defense, and they blanked the Bulls, who were back home against Alabama A&M on Thursday night. We'll have live coverage. In fact, that'll be our next live play-by-play event here on the channel, of which there will be many this fall. And shout out to Anne-Marie Bruni, who is the former softball standout, plays for the Texas Smoke of a 14 professional league. They just won a championship. They play out of Austin. Great story up on GoUSFBulls.com about that. That'll wrap up Bulls Beat on a Monday. I'm Derek Sharp.